0: Welcome to Changing Academic Life. I'm Geraldine Fitzpatrick, and this is a podcast series where academics and others share their stories, provide ideas and provoke discussions about what we can do individually and collectively to change academic life for the better. So we all know what happens to best laid plans, don't we? I had really good intentions of trying to get out a new episode every week or so for this podcast series, but that's been scuppered by my recent turn with COVID, which has been a lesson in patience and self-care and also not beating myself up about the fact that I haven't got this episode out before this. But finally, I can say welcome to part two of my conversation with the wonderful Dr. Julie Keens. If you haven't already listened to part one, I recommend you do. Julie is a professor and a department chair of Human Centered Design and Engineering at the University of Washington in the US. In part one of this conversation, Julie shared her career journey up to becoming a faculty member at UW, University of Washington. And we left part one on the cliffhanger about how did she get to be department chair? So she starts off talking about some of the characteristics of 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 being organized and how that played out in previous roles. And then we digress talking about uh, her tenure process and how she got to the, the experiences around getting tenure and also just finding her way again and getting a more focused path post-tenure. And then we come back to talk about how she did take on the department chair role. Um, and then having done that, almost immediately having to lead her department through the COVID crisis and then the murder of George Floyd and the ongoing racial justice issues there. Again, her telling of her story is full of keen insights about how to bring people along, how to lead from a position of care and the impact that you can have as a leader. And in particular, it's about learning to be comfortable with being uncomfortable as well as looking after yourself at the process and getting, putting in place the practical and social support you need to get the job done. So let's continue here with part two. You, you are now head of department, yeah. de- departmental heads. Yes. Uh, or chair, <laughs> yeah, chair. Yeah, department chair, yeah. Um, how did, how did that come about? So, you know, cause you've gone from <laughs> yeah. you know, small town, yeah, you know, sort yeah. Of college yeah. kid. Yeah.
1: Um, well, it's kind of interesting because, you know, I'd had, roles where you know I'm I'm a pretty organized person and I really like trying new things and Mm -hmm. developing new processes Mm -hmm. and things like that Mm and some of my colleagues will will uh know that like you know there was sort of good ideas that I, I see good ideas and I like want to to amplify them too. So you know there are things that when I was a graduate student and how we did things around our PhD program that I was able to kind of like bring into my new department at, at UW and like you know, there was no sort of yearly review program for our PhDs and so like I introduced that and so we added mm-hmm. sort of making sure the students are making good progress and so I'd sort of like gotten a little bit of a reputation around like seeing uh, things that could be better, mm-hmm. and like coming up with a, a way to to make them better, yep. and you know, uh, and I guess people thought that was good. <laughs> so um, right around the time, and the, you know, there's we'll fast forward a little bit, and um, you know, got tenure. Um, oh,
0: I meant to, yeah, yeah. The tenure. Yeah, with yeah. The, I meant to c- yeah. catch up on it. Uh, oh
1: sure, yeah. So uh, got tenure, got promoted. But
0: you, yeah. was that a harder process? You know, with, it was okay. Yeah, then, you know, by or? the time
1: by the time I uh, you know had my daughter, like mm. most of the work was already okay. in place. So the timing yeah. ended up being really well. I, I didn't intend for it to be that way, but you know, there are a lot of things that were sort of like already in the works, and so I think my case was was mostly done by that point um how did you know it
0: was good enough
1: uh mentors were telling me mm-hmm. and they they had told me like you know your case is probably good enough you could go up a year early but they would have had to prepare my packet with a two weeks notice and I was like oh no not doing that so so I'd gotten some really positive feedback from 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 people that that my research was looking good mm-hmm. and my teaching was looking good and and you know it was clearly doing a lot of service and things so so got got you know kind of the and really support from my department chair at the time mm-hmm. you know telling me like you're ready mm-hmm. you know um so thankfully wasn't uh, I, there was um, one of their criteria of course they don't write out their criteria but one of their criteria is you, you were supposed to graduate a PhD student yeah. by the time you go up for tenure and I didn't have that and so you know there, you know, and I, I'd heard of other sort of cases where you know a desperate person kind of like pushed a student out before they were ready and I was like Mm-mm, mm-hmm. I'm not doing that and so I asked my my chair like should I do this and like well I think you know, you're strong enough in other ways you've gotten grants and papers and, and other sorts of things that that's probably going to be okay. So I decided it was unapologetic in my, my, yeah. my self-advocacy statement that like, I haven't graduated student, but my most senior student started when I did. And you know, mm-hmm. she's building systems and running long-term studies and wants to apply for a faculty job. And I'm not going to push her out before she's ready. And I basically was unapologetic about it and worked okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so. Yeah. yeah. That's good. Yeah. So got tenure, did a sabbatical, had a second kid. <laughs> I don't, yeah, I kind of, my sabbatical ended up being sort of, you know, we don't have paid parental leave in the U.S. Uh, yeah. and so sabbatical ended up being sort of, you know, a little bit of time for, mm-hmm. for that with my mm-hmm. son. Uh, but I, you know, it was a chance to sort of recharge my batteries after going
0: for tenure and then, you know. So, so yeah, just, um, so having got tenure and mm-hmm. you talk about recharging your batteries. Yes. Was there a reframing, recalibration, yes. re like what talks through that process? Yeah.
1: Um so uh <laughs> I started my sabbatical when my son was like eight weeks old. So I'll be honest, the first you know, three months of my sabbatical were, you know. Recovery and (laughs) dealing with two littles. My daughter was, I think, two and a half and my son was, you know, uh, and she was starting to enter the terrible twos. So (laughs) that was not a relaxing time, but, uh, um, and you know, the sleep was all a mess with my son and, you know, but but after sort of, uh, um, you know, December of that year, we, we did sleep training. He was sleeping and things were getting better. Um, you know, I think, um, I took on like personal things. Like I was like, I'm gonna, you know, I, we're going to train for a half marathon and I'm going to like, you know, uh, do personal things. Um, but I also took this time, like, um, so my sabbatical is like, you get like two thirds of your salary. And so the other third was covered through some of the grants that I'd been working on. And you know, one of those collaborations was, was not something I was like really excited about. It was like something I kind of got pulled into, thought like I needed more grants. So I was like, sure, I'll collaborate with on this one. And it just made me reflect that like, well, reflect on the projects i was having fun with um and you know I, at the time I, my general research area is on you know kids and health and tech and you know adults and you know behavior change and personal informatics and that that whole realm and it was really all over the place and you know i sort of ref- took that time to, be able to reflect on like what was the stuff i was having the most fun with and it was the stuff with you know designing with with kids and families uh and so then that sort of became like a more focused path forward so um you know was able to kind of helped me be more selective about the mm. collaborations I took on the the projects I did the types of students I worked mm. on so yeah did, did yeah. kind of get some of that that
0: recalibration mm. so yeah yeah it's because it's a pattern yeah. I hear I yeah. think that mm-hmm. yeah there's sort of mm-hmm. there's this big portfolio or whatever that right, comes right. into the tenure yeah. and then after mm-hmm. the tenure it's it's Like almost sort of head yeah. above the, the yeah wall exactly back. yeah oh who am I really right and what exactly do I, what yeah do I really yeah at first it's do.
1: like okay I just got to do anything that I can publish at <laughs> this time uh, whatever mm. you know interesting or mm. or, or exciting mm. in in the space mm. but then you know having to be able to relax mm. a little bit and, and
0: sort of think about that. so it's interesting that the criteria was reflecting on the projects you were having most fun with mm-hmm. or fun yeah. with
1: but also just recognizing that like I kind of going back to where I started collaboration mm. right mm. and you doing fun things with people was mm. uh really you know interesting too like yeah. i'm you know i don't write single author publications very often on <laughs> uh, nearly all of my projects are with students or collaborators um and you know kind of going back to that too and i think i had an also realization that like you know there's a project that i've been working on that was you know, i was interested in the topic a lot but i didn't enjoy working with the people as much yep and i had another collaboration at the time where i didn't care very much about like the topic uh but i loved the people and like they were so cool and like i was having way more fun on the project i supposedly didn't care about than the one i supposedly
0: did that like wasn't with people i wasn't mm. having a very good time yeah. with so, so that the,
1: was also what what too. you proceeded
0: with was yeah. topic and people topic and people
1: yeah yeah so that kind of gave me some more you know, we talked about boundary setting right so cuz i would get you know, um University of Washington has a wonderful medical school, right? And as a health researcher, I would get pings from, you know, people all over Mm. um, from all sorts of areas of health saying, like... Hey, I heard about this thing called human centered design, um, trying to build this like health intervention app. Uh, can you help me? Right. And I was like getting all these and I, and I said yes to some of those. Right. And you know, some of them worked out great and some of them didn't. Mm. And that kind of gave me also a filter. And I think I'd also realized that anybody who does work with kids is also just really fun. Yeah. <laughs> I'd been to the IDC yeah. conference, the interaction design and in children conference, and like always just had a good time. So that, that would been a good filter for me. That's good. And
0: is saving the world still in there? This, that was sort uh, of yeah, a I think, point yeah, my
1: idealistic uh, uh, teenage, college-age self, um, you know, I think I've um, come to think that, like, my impact is going to be through the people I worked with, mm-hmm. and, and, you know, mm-hmm. I have had really cool students, I don't know if they're saving the world per se, but they're working at really cool places, and, and you know, students I've had in classes and things, mm-hmm. so, and, um, so, yeah, sort of thinking through, like, my impact will be on not necessarily the whole world, but through people who are through, in the world.
0: Yeah, that's interesting, and that connects to the mentoring thing yes. that you said you loved. That absolutely, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, yeah your impact is through the yes. people, not so much at the, the this little nugget right. of an idea exactly. that goes exactly. out. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I can, I can connect <laughs> with that as well.
1: Mm-hmm. So, so kind of then, getting, about the then getting then yeah, getting into yeah, the department yeah, chair. Yeah. So, um, I think at the time, you know, I'd been doing some things. You know, I'd been like subcommittee chair for Kai, and you know, some external service um, was uh, steering committee chair for the UB Comp Conference for a while, and also helped um, spearhead some of the changes with the the PACA, the proceedings of the ACM mm. movement to like a four deadline for your journal, and so it was a sort of you're know, taking on some leadership roles in that. That same, you know. It was fun to sort of explore sort of ways that, you know, we can, you know, I didn't have to be happy with the way things were, uh, and then I, through leadership, I could sort of, you know, make changes. Like, instead of just like mm-hmm. having opinions and criticizing the people, like, I could like, okay, you know, and, and I feel like this is a thing in academia as well, too. If you complain about something, it's like, great, fix it. So, I like, so, okay, so, yeah, taking, Initiative, taking the leadership on things and and changing things, and sort of how I came about that. So, anyway, the previous chair of my department's term had ended, and it was kind of too late to do a a search, so they needed an interim chair. Mm -hmm. And I had just gotten uh, promoted to full professor at the time. Like my my case, I was still technically associate professor, and so my dean had asked me, like, would you be open? I'm just asking lots of people in the department, would you be open? It's like I don't think so. Like, I'm really having fun with my research right now, and um, you know, really, you know, maybe someday, right? Maybe someday I'll do it, but I don't think the time's right for me right now. Um, and he's like, okay, you know, thanks for letting me know. But I did say, I was like, well, it, I mean, if you really knew, but there's like so many other good people in the department, I sort of like named all these other people that I thought would be great. And then, uh, he came back to me like a month later. He's like, I've talked to everyone in the department and they all, including the people that you recommended, all think it should be you. And I'm just like, really <laughs> really and i'm like okay they think
0: it should be me because yeah. i'd be good at it or because it's not them yeah
1: yeah well that was a, that was a curious oh another not to not to, to diverge too much but i i'm also a sucker for like mentoring programs and like you know like professional development i think so i'd actually done a um when I was uh, post-tenure, but pre-full professor, I'd done a program through, there's a, an organization in the U.S. called the National Center for Faculty Diversity and Development, mm-hmm. which is really great. Um, if you're at a U.S. institution, I strongly recommend it. But they had a program called the Post-Tenure Pathfinders Program. Mm-hmm. And it was this idea of like, once you're post-tenure, like, what, and so it was like a 10 week sort of, you and I was meeting with other associate professor women from other colleges and kind of doing these like visioning exercises of like, yeah. what's my ideal day? And you're know, sort of focusing in on what I think I'm good at and you know um, interviewing people with different paths about like what they like. And, and it was funny because like through that program I decided I didn't want to do. Uh, academic administration, <laughs> so we had to make this like visioning thing and like put it a cycle, like and like we had to interview people about like what they think our strengths are. So for me, like what was in the center of the circle of this this exercise was mentoring, mm-hmm. and so like I'd honed in on mentoring as sort of being something that energizes me, something that I'm passionate about, something I feel like I'm reasonably good at. Um I'm a, I'm a pretty empathetic person. I, I'll admit that I guess, um, and so I'd sort of had. You know, like decided that, like you know, actually, I decided that, like actually, the PhD program chair was like my ideal role, mm. and I'd actually taken that on in the year before I became department chair, mm-hmm. and I took on the PhD department chair role, and like I was like, okay, I love graduate education, I want to be doing that, Um and like I pushed through like oh, a change to our qualifying exam or general exam qualifying exam process, a change to our proposal process and our defense process, and like implement all these changes. And somehow got it all through. And I don't think I realized how hard that was to do. (laughs) And, like, someone even said in a meeting after we, I think we just made a change to our general exam process, like, I just want to say, like, this was, like, a really ideal way of, like, pushing through these changes. You got input from us all. You, like, had all these. So, like, someone had given me some positive feedback that that was great. But so anyway, back Dean, Dean asked me, like, I want you to be the interim chair. And I was like, okay, well, I'll do it, I guess. But, you know, you know, and then and I was like, well, maybe it'll give me a chance to try it out before I decide if I want to do it for real. Because mm, um,
0: interim... Yeah, interim so is that, temporary, um, right? Mm. So
1: like, okay, we'll do it for a year. Um, and then uh, this is... Uh, so I took on the interim chair role of fall 2019.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And you had a really... you know, it, it's Similar to being a professor for the first time, being department chair for the first time, is like the drinking from the fire hose, like all learning on the job all these things I didn't know were part of the job coming to me all at once. Mm. Uh, but it was okay. And, you know, I, I knew, so the other people that I had recommended to be uh, department chair are actually um, uh, two of my mentors, the, the, the two mentors I used to forward things to, they were actually my mentors. And so I said, will you support me through being associate chairs? So I immediately built a team with them.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And, you know, they were my associate chairs. And, yeah, they are both really struggling with, with
0: that. Were they new positions?
1: They um, had just started to be developed into new mm-hmm. positions, and one of them had mm-hmm. already been in a role as an associate chair. And so I, you know, I said, "Will you continue to to stay in those roles mm. and support me?" And I said, "Absolutely." So um, they're really great. So you know, it was great to have a, a team of people. Yeah. Other uh, two other awesome women that were supportive, and you know, and I'd had a long kind of relationship with that were there to support me and. Um, and I told them, like, you know, like, if you want to, and, and so then the, the a new dean came in. Oh, that was the other reason that was interim, because a new dean was coming in also, and they wanted the new dean to be able to sort of choose the next chair. Um, so new dean came in in November and then started the chair search, and, you know, it was an open, oh, it was an internal search from the department was open. And I told the others, like, you if you want to do this, like, you should apply. Please don't think they're, uh, and they're like, nope <laughs> so I was the sole applicant <laughs> of the chair search uh when they did it um but they swept me through the whole process right you know like they interviewed people about I had to write like a like two-page statement on my leadership and all those sorts of things um and you know I think and I was able to reflect on that too about like you know things like I didn't realize that like asking donors for money was part of the job and you know having sort of you know solidly middle-class upbringings like that felt really uncomfortable to me like those sorts of things and so yeah. I had like already identified there's like parts of the job but you know the fun part like I you had know, led our department strategic planning committee before it was a uh and like those strategic things are fun um and so like I felt like you know 70% of the job was really fun and I was enjoying it and 30% of the job was not fun but felt important right mm-hmm. so things like HR issues or navigating, you know, student concerns and complaints or, you know, other sorts of things, you know, they were, they were not fun, but felt important. Yeah. Um, so then I was like, okay, maybe I could do this, this chair thing, I guess. And people were giving me lots of positive feedback. Oh, you're doing a good job. You should, you, know, you should apply. So, uh, so yeah, I applied and that was like February, 2020. And <laughs> uh, then, you know, we're, you know, all the news of COVID were starting oh, to come around. Yes. and. Yeah. Timing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so and I think at that point, like I'd already agreed to, you know, do the permanent chair and then, you know, the world fell apart and you know. Then I got to navigate my department
0: through, you know, that whole whole process and uh, tell us Yeah. Tell us that that like that sounds a real head spin and quick pivot. February twenty twenty, great timing. Yes,
1: great timing. Uh, I guess I knew I was sort of in it and you know I think Thinking through, you know, this is all coming down and, you know, there's all this uncertainty. I think it was right around the time of our, we have, um, when we admit PhD students, we bring them all to campus, um, to come, you know, see if they want to, mm-hmm. you know, uh, uh, come do their PhD there. And we also had planned this big, um, departmental, it was kind of a mini, mini localized conference on, on, um, augmented and extended reality is called XR Day. We've been planning it for like eight and it was like, that was on March 2nd. <laughs> <laughs> and then our PC visit days were later that week. And so like other sorts of things were like, she would be shutting down and sort of like making these decisions and under uncertainty. Mm. And so. We still held both those events (laughs) feel really lucky about it but like we're like okay we're gonna do it but like we brought in all the hand sanitizer which was hard getting harder to get at that time and we didn't know anything about mask at that time we brought all the hand sanitizer told people Mm. we're not going to shake hands and keep distances and things um that got lucky that nothing bad happened um because um seattle uh was actually where a lot the, the first u.s case of covid was happening too and that happened like later that week. Uh, so yeah. So decision-making under uncertainty became sort of the key there. Um, and something that, yeah, I really had to learn how to do quickly. Mm, Um, but you, know, I think, I, I think when, before we started talking, I talked to you about how I feel like I'm kind of an open book, right. And I'm open with sharing sort of like my, so I was, so I just started to send these emails out to the department just, Like, I know things are uncertain, like, I'm not sure what to do here, and just being open about some of these things, and like, Mm -hmm. but here's what's going on, you know, and then later that, I think the next week is when the University of Washington, which is the first university in the U.S., declared that we were going online. Uh, and so we're like, okay, we're gonna, we're gonna figure this out, and, you know, navigating through all of that was, was really interesting. So
0: your problem solving skills, uh, yep, and also. Really needed to come to the fore.
1: Yeah, and also I think, Empathy was really important there too, because everybody was scared and nervous. People didn't know, like, how what's the Zoom thing? Like, how do I do that? Mm-hmm. And I also had two young children. My kids are four and seven at the time. And their school closed, right, at the same time you did. And like, oh, I guess they're going to be at home for three days. And, you know, one of the things I also learned was getting support too. So one of my conditions of being, uh, the interim chair is I told my husband that we need some external support. Mm-hmm. And so earlier that year, we'd hired a, a nanny that would come pick the kids up for school, from after school and bring them home and, uh, help us cook dinner. And like, we had already had that in place. <laughs> And, like, we talked to her. I like, would you be willing to go full-time and, like, help us with navigating this? And thankfully, she said yes. Uh, yeah. So that was kind of... But that, but I knew how... Like, those first couple of days, we were, like, trying to figure that out. I was like, this is not going to work for parents. And so I immediately, like... I had other faculty in the department that had young kids. And I'm like, you all get an extra TA. Like, and But I, so I felt great because, like, if I hadn't been in a position of leadership, I wouldn't necessarily have had the resources or authority to do that, right? And so... That was so. I almost felt grateful that I was sort of in a position where I could have an impact and, and make those sorts of choices and recognize where those problems were, and um, do something about it. Right, and that made me feel good. It's like, okay, hey, maybe there's something to this leadership thing. Right, like, and yeah. And then you know, later that year, having um, you know, after the murder of George Floyd and you know, kind of all the the um, you know, uh, you know. Um, really great concerns around justice and equity around race, uh, that, that follow that, you know, also just, you know, being able to kind of do something about that too, right? And like, hey, you know, like, there was, I think there was a day that was, um, it was supposed to be a strike in academia to mm-hmm. like, you know, stand up for racial justice. And we had a faculty meeting. That was our last faculty meeting of the year. <laughs> and I'm like, you know what? Uh, and I'd be like, are, are we, should we show up to the faculty? And he's like, alright, we're not gonna do the faculty. we're gonna cancel the whole agenda, and we're just gonna spend two hours at faculty meeting talking about what we can do as a department, um, to do better, and like, you know, kind of, and, and having the authority to kind of do those mm-hmm. things mm-hmm. felt really great. Um, it was scary, right? But also, it was, it's was great to recognize that, like, you, when you're in a position of leadership and, and you, know, you see something, or people come to you with concerns, um, you can do something about it, and, I think that was really great, and I think also I learned a lot from that too. I had, um you know, uh, and you know, after George Floyd was murdered, and there were sort of you few know, lots of protests going on downtown, um you know, I was like, you know, I should probably, you know, I'd been sending all these emails about COVID to the department. like, you know, I feel like maybe I should say something about this, but I have no idea what to say, and I was like, I guess scared, right? Like, I as a white woman, like, mm-hmm. I don't know if like. I should say anything, and you know, thankfully, one of our black students and you know who I have a good relationship said, like, I think it'd be helpful for you to say something, and something just let me just kind of clicked of like knowing
0: what... the the what in you. Said?
1: Uh Oh yes, yeah, so they they sent me a message on Slack and said like, mm-hmm. I think it would be important for the department to say yeah. something, yeah, and like that was enough that like, oh gosh, like I've been sitting here, should I, should I say something? Yeah. And then I like immediately like sat down. I, it, something clicked in me that I knew kind of what I needed to write and what what needed to be heard, mm-hmm. and and I kind of gave the students permission to kind of basically, um, go protest instead of doing your classes. (laughs) Um, I told the faculty to please be lenient and consider changing, um, you know, the structure of their assignments to allow students the time to do this. And, you know, kind of just, you know, but I, it was important to also just be like open, community, communicative, and, Timely too, because mm. the world, you know, in open communication was was definitely sort of that, and and just recognizing also like, you know, I don't always know what to say, but it's better to say something than to struggle with like the exact right thing to say. Um, mm. So, and that's sort of something, you know, as you know, new world events come, uh, you know, there's you know, the U.S. has a lot of things going on. You know, there's after COVID, there's an increase in Asian American hate crimes, and you know, you know, there's a you know. Asian specific targeted murder that had happened in the U S and sort of also kind of you're pushing these messages mm. out and sort of feeling, and then I would get positive feedback. Like, thank you for saying something, you know, it was really, you know, it mm. felt like, you know, someone cared and like also just hearing that those yeah. little things can have an impact yeah. on people and, but they're hard. They're really hard. Yeah. yeah. Cause I don't know. I feel like you, and sometimes you, know, and I, I, as myself was, you know, someone who, you know, grew up in a very white part of the town uh, of, of, uh, of the the United States and you know um even though I'm in a interracial marriage I don't know a lot about you know especially the the history of um you know um uh black Americans and what they've mm. gone through and and like I myself was learning too and you know just mm. being uncomfortable being comfortable with being uncomfortable and, mm. and educating myself and, yeah. and other sorts of things and I'm still learning I still yeah. make mistakes but recognizing that like doing things is better than, than so not. doing
0: something yeah rather than doing nothing exactly
1: yeah so, yeah. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah. So kind of also thinking other things I did as uh, um, I decided that I, you know, get back to all those support networks. I had my two associate chairs. You know, I had support at home from our really wonderful nanny mm-hmm. who was helping out there. My husband's incredible and, you know, um, supports, uh, you know, takes on half the parenting load. Um, but also like, you know, what I needed also support was other people who are in this role because, my associate yeah. chairs were great, but they were yeah. also, so I also started to reach out to other department chairs mm-hmm. at the University of Washington, and because they were also in this, like, do we send a message out? What do we do? Like, does anybody have any examples of this? Um, and so we formed a Slack uh, group of department chairs, and they you know, became this wonderful resource, and, like, through that, we started, you know, um, we would have Zoom happy hours at the time. <laughs> <laughs> And then, um, when we kind of go back, we have like, you know, we have like monthly happy hours. And it's just so great to find other people that are like in this similar mm. role and, and form that peer network and support each other. And like, usually we will say like, Hey, does anyone have a policy on X? And like, oh yeah, let me share ours. And like, you know, just being a resource for each other mm. and, and, feeling a little less alone. Um, that, yeah. This is a,
0: pat- this is sort of yeah. a, a, the, the, the grown up version of the for PhD for sure. student. Oh, for sure. Yeah, exactly. Exactly.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And so you yeah, love like, mentoring and I you're do. also
0: very good at, connecting and yeah. networking
1: yeah and I think the other thing um, kind of going back to the decision to apply for mm. department chair when i had been interim chair is that you know, and going back to that um, that training thing where I had to like figure out what I was going to do post tenure and decide mm. mentoring is there I decided to actually reframe the role of the department chair around mentorship mm-hmm. um, and decide that you know um, you know I don't want to lead for leader's sake I want to develop people to do kind of what they want to do and so and actually, that was you know, also to close up the beginning of the story. Um, so when Ninde was, was dean at the time, and he kind of told me about like, well, when you're, and he was department chair before he was dean at, at Carnegie Mellon. Um, and he had told me at the time, like, well, when you're a department chair, um, instead of mentoring students, you mentor faculty. It's like, oh, okay. So I could do that. Mm. Yeah. So then I sort of tried to reframe it around yeah. mentorship, you know, mentoring assistant professors to get promoted. Um, you're really trying to, um, you reframe leadership around mentorship because mm-hmm. that was what I felt I was good yeah. at. I felt like I was not as good at like being like the like um, spokesperson for the department and yeah. like, yeah. you know. Um, but I can mentor other people, so yeah. I tried to reframe a lot of the activities yeah. I did around mentorship, and, and so and that's been helpful. It makes me feel like I'm playing to my strengths more. Yeah. So
0: and that's so important. That yeah. You know, like, That whole thing about recognizing, you know, what you have fun with, where your energy is, what you're good at. For sure. For sure. Um,
1: Yeah. 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 And, you know, I think just other things with leadership that are hard um, are, you know, the the nature. Like, I was really close with a lot of my faculty colleagues, and I still am to some Mm. extent. And, but I noticed that then it changes a little bit when you become their super, their technically their supervisor. I mean, academia, it's like faculty still do what they want, right? Exactly. Uh, But, you know, ultimately, I'm, you know, someone who just You are someone um, who holds the
0: resources who can allocate it to you. Exactly.
1: Um, And, you know, it was hard to know, like, that was an adjustment to you. And I think that's also why I sought out other people and and roles too. And I still feel close to a lot of my faculty members,
0: but it just changes a bit. What's the, how did you manage that? Um, that so shift, one of the things, in yeah, so
1: one of the things I do, and I also react to people, you know, personally. And so one of the, one of the tricks I've done is, um, I have, I, I, I use the metaphor of hats. And so like, okay, I'm going to take off my chair hat and put my Julie hat on. And now we're going to talk as just friends or colleagues. Mm-hmm. And so I try to make it very clear when we're, we're talking about things um you know and cuz you, know, cause, you know, when the chair says something sometimes it has different you know, yes. so try to be really clear about like yeah. this is me being in yeah. this role yeah. versus this is me as a person and connecting with you mm-hmm. um and i think that's kind of something that i've been able to to kind of effectively do um
0: did you always do that or was that just something you're no it's something I kind to... of picked
1: up yeah yeah I don't know if I saw somebody else do that and I'm like oh that seems good I'm, I get lots of inspiration from different places so it's possible I saw somebody do that I was like oh mm-hmm. I should do that too mm-hmm. but and it was great too because I think you know, my students helped me realize that too um one of my really wonderful students who I co-advise um He's co-advised by me as department chair and his other advisors The took over as the chair mm-hmm. of the PhD program after mm-hmm. I, I vacated that role. And he'll come to us with an, an issue and both of us immediately start doing, oh, we need to like structurally change things. And like he's like, I just want you to solve my problem, <laughs> not... For the whole department. And so we're like, okay, we're going to take off the chair hats and we're going to put on our your advisor hat. And yes, we're going to talk you through this. And so he was really great because I don't, I don't think either of us had realized we were doing mm, that. Yeah. Um, so it's good to have, you know, people who, yeah. uh, are, are comfortable enough to sort of like remind me that like, oh yeah, mm. you don't have to solve the whole department's <laughs> systemic issues. I just need you to help me with this thing. But so. also
0: that, that awareness that different hats yes. put you in different yes. Relationships Absolutely. and different interactional yeah. roles.
1: Yeah. In,
0: and I kind of made it clear with my students.
1: Like, if you want to come to me, like, if you have a concern, r- just be clear. If, are you coming to me as my student? Or are you coming to me as the department chair? Right? Because, mm. like, you know, I am the person that if someone had a concern mm. to, who they would go to, right? Um, if they had, you know, kind of concern mm. or a grievance or things like that. And just, you know, if you have something, just let's be clear about why you're bringing it here yeah. and, and which role you're talking yeah. to so yeah. so kind of being able to kind of think about the different roles that, that took some practice because i definitely like don't think and and i think um amy Coase actually had some really wonderful like reflections on sort of like power and not recognize and i think i was reluctant to recognize that i had power in some ways too right and like when you suddenly get more power as a leader mm-hmm. sometimes that it, it, it's a sudden shift, but it doesn't, I'm still the same person, right? And I think sometimes I would say things and in a good way, I would realize I had power, right? When the chair of the department you know, talks about, like, you know, it's important to support, you know, our, our um, students of color who are fighting for racial injustice, like, what impact that has. Uh, but then also recognizing that sometimes when I say things, it's like, it feels like being reprimanded when I'm just sort of, like, saying, offering a, an idea, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So realizing that, that, that power, and I think it definitely helped it was definitely hard to sort of slowly realize that I had that power and that I should be using that power yeah. and, and for good, not accidentally. It's <laughs> like the elephant in the room sometimes. Doing, yeah.
0: putting on the hats is a way yeah. of being more deliberate.
1: In, yeah, and deliberately recognizing mm. when I have that power too.
0: So and when you want to pick it up and yes. use it.
1: Yeah, yeah. And also, I'm, I'm grateful to a lot of the students that, like, especially those students who reached out to me that said, like we think it'd be important for you to make it say something mm. and those students helping me recognize that like I have that power too. So I'm really grateful for those students who, who said that um, to me. So yeah, they're awesome.
0: <laughs> Is yeah. there anything else about that relationship to power? Cause that just, yeah. Says...
1: Yeah. Um, it still feels awkward, I think. Mm. And, you know, and and I think sometimes you, you especially uh, you know, state university in the United States has lots and lots of you know, there's lots of people that go up the chain before me, right, or well above me, and so like I don't know if I can do anything about that, but then like you know maybe I can, right? I should be able to push this. You know, I do have you know, interest in authority and and you know, being able to kind of recognize when I when I do have power mm-hmm. um, and that I can. You know, you know, we've we've um, had a shortage of, for example, um, uh, the the services that support students with disabilities. We had a, a labor shortage of, of of people at the department, and it's been really hard on all of our students with disabilities, as well as our faculty, trying to support them because they're not getting you know captioning services or those sorts of things, and so you know, I'm like, this is not, you know, and like being able to push that up, like end up going all the way up to the provost around mm. this issue and getting some funds to hire a student. And, you know, um, you've signed a big statement, um, yeah. uh, saying that our students really need the support and, and kind of throwing, throwing my weight around there as much as I can. So. And did
0: it work?
1: Hopefully well, it's I getting there. It's getting the there. List. I did get money from the provost mm. for that. Um, yeah. but I think we need more. Um, so.
0: But even if it doesn't, you've yeah. done what
1: yeah exactly. within within mm-hmm. your
0: yeah remit yeah. or power
1: yeah yeah and I think also just trying to also help people um understand some of those structures of like um you know, the hierarchy and like un- un- unveil the 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 kind of wrapping behind how things work at the university mm. and you know as a student like if I want to like you know make a complaint about something like what in his eyes so i can help them navigate those power structures as well too mm. um so mm. i can use use my own power to amplify what they need as well as um help them can figure out the rest of the power structures mm-hmm. as well too so that's been so are you feeling
0: comfortable yeah, yeah i
1: think I still yeah you know i loved my day job as a professor and i mm. feel like it's really hard to do all the research I really want to do and I still love teaching. I love teaching as well too and so it's really hard to, having to give up some things. You We talked about some of the things I had to give up earlier on and I think I'm still grieving for some of those things that like you know I really would love to have like a larger lab of students again and and so I've shrunk, I've shrunk the size of my lab down a little bit. Um, so I'm still kind of deciding like is this a long-term thing? Right. I don't know. My dean wants me to. She's like signed me up for another leadership training <laughs> program, and wants me to you know, continue to, to kind of you know be an academic leadership. But mm. um, but I don't know. I like my day job too. You know, so it's hard to know. Um,
0: yeah. So in the way that you said before about um, the people mm-hmm. being an important thing, like what would be that's true. Yeah, the yeah. legacy that you'd, you yeah know, had yeah at this point because of course things can change
1: yeah um well i guess and i think you know the the mentorship of of faculty and you know um, you know i can i can advise my own students in the way that i want but if i can help amplify some of the things that i think make for for good advising throughout the department then i can have a bigger impact but it's still that bigger disconnection of things So, so i have to kind of be comfortable with have an indirect impact and sometimes it feels a little further away and you know you know I hear you know people talk all, all the time around like you know university administrators are so disconnected from like what's actually going on so I don't want to be that kind of person too right I don't want to be the system uh, and so like kind of being comfortable with with leadership in that way um, but you know, I think you know, again, what am I, what do I, what, what, you remember those three things I use? Like, you know, will I learn something? Am I having fun, fun doing it? Yeah. And, you know, am I uniquely qualified to do it? Mm. So continuing to apply that as mm. I sort of
0: make decisions will probably be helpful. So, yeah. but. Brilliant. <laughs> so um, is there anything else that I could have asked and I haven't or that you'd want to. We've covered a
1: lot. <laughs> We've covered more than I thought we would. reflect on. Um, I think that it's okay if you don't know that you want to be in a position of leadership to try it and see. Yeah. Um, I think, you know, you and I were discussing that, like, a lot of the traits that make good leaders are not necessarily things that would come out through an interview process or traditional ways of selecting mm-hmm. leaders. I'm also an introvert, too, so I also thought that, like, uh, oh, you have to be this extroverted you because know, <laughs> there's so, so many models of that type of leadership. Yeah. Yep. Um. And you know, realizing that there's there's definitely different ways of of being leadership, mm. and if you can make that position to speak to your strengths and the things that you feel like you're 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 good at, or the things that you feel comfortable doing, you can try it. If you can reframe it that way, that can be mm. be really helpful. Yeah. Um. And yeah, you just you know, thinking about the types of impact you want to have, and um, you know, you can amplify the types of impact you have if you take on these leadership roles is important.
0: Yeah. I like that's a (laughs) lovely that's a lovely point to end on that the possibility of amplifying that impact yeah for sure connecting to what you're good Mm -hmm. at yeah the Mm -hmm.
1: same way that you know being a professor helps me you know have impact for students Mm -hmm. being a leader helps me have impact you know in lots of different ways I don't know if I'll ever it's also hard to know when you've had that impact sometimes I get the email the random emails from people sometimes and that helps uh, what's hard
0: about the job Oh, like gosh, when, when... yeah.
1: <laughs> well, we all know decision-making under, under yeah. uncertainty is definitely yeah. hard. Um, and you know, being able to kind of keep going forward when there's, mm. you know, I think, for example, coming back from COVID uh, has been really hard. I um, you know, think in the beginning when you know, the, the university went remote, well, okay, we're all in this together. Mm. We're all like doing this to keep the community safe. But then coming back, you know, there was very, very different You know, um, comfort levels. You know, some people were struggling with mental health and like disconnection and really needed to, to be in person. They couldn't focus online. Other people found that online was, and I think everybody's going through this now too. Absolutely. And just recognizing that like, well, we've got to make a decision. And I know, knowing people are going to be unhappy with that decision is, is really hard. (laughs) Um, and, you know, also interpreting high level guidance from the university and, implementing it is hard right like you know they put all these like broad we will be in person uh, statements out and then like okay what does that actually look like and mm. so sort of taking these sort of broad uh, guidelines and then turning them into actual implementation mm. is, is tricky that one's that one's more interesting to me sometimes too because it's kind of a little bit more like design Problem work or it. design the, work yeah. yeah yeah i often yeah. apply human-centered design to, to our department too so like well let's figure out let's let's you know, talk with people and think about the
0: difference so, so you talked also there just about um there are going to be p- some people unhappy and you yeah. talked before about mm-hmm. the 30 percent that you don't particularly right and that's like, probably that 30 yeah. percent, yeah yeah the hr and um,
1: yeah but then also checking in with those 30 percent that might mm-hmm. be unhappy about mm-hmm. things Or i don't know in, the, in that case but just what will make this better for you? Like, how can we? You, know, if if this is the decision going forward, you, know, how can we we support you as best as we can? Like, you know, just checking in with them and mm-hmm. you know, recognizing that, like, I know this isn't necessarily the decision that we wanted to, but you know, hopefully we can we can move forward and and I can we can make the most of it. Mm-hmm. So that communication, the communication, yeah, communication. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's important. Checking in with people too. Right? I, mean, I was just
0: going to say that's, that's seeing people as well.
1: Mm-hmm. Like, Absolutely, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, yeah, and yeah. We're we're sitting here at Kai, and it's been you know, great to see you know, connect, reconnect with people, mm-hmm. and, and yeah,
0: yeah. Any final thoughts? Any? Hmm. I think what we talked about.
1: Being comfortable with being uncomfortable, like push outside your comfort zone. Um, I think also. Would you have um, ever
0: taken it without the encouragement of people? I don't know if I would have, yeah. right? You know, I think build those support networks for sure, yeah. and and also
1: don't take yourself too seriously too. I can, I mean, I don't know if it's come across in, in this interview, but I can be very self deprecating at sometimes <laughs> too, and and I will, will sort of you. Know, joke about like you know if I make a mistake it's like well it <laughs> could have been worse or you know, other sorts of things so don't take yourself too seriously mm-hmm. take feedback yeah. as best as you can build that support network um try things that are uncomfortable and and, and you can always make a decision that leadership is not for you and, and go down a different path if you want but it's worth to try yeah
0: for that amplification of impact for sure yeah right well thank you so much for your time yeah end of a long day (laughs) really appreciate it no problem thanks jolene and so the end of my conversation with julie keens again so much to reflect on from julie's story i particularly love the way she found a way of framing that department chair role to connect her passion and evidence strengths around mentoring. So, she, you know, framing it here about being about mentoring faculty. And she also role models the enormous power of a leader to create cultures of care and the small things that can have a really big impact. I think a key part of this has been Julie's own self-awareness of her own needs, whether it was for childcare support or creating that peer network. And there's also humility to take on that learning mindset that she won't always get it right and that's okay. The being uncomfortable, the being comfortable with being uncomfortable and not always getting it right. But she is really actively changing academic life by making the changes she wants to see and that's with, that are within her power to do. So Julie ended there with a call for all of us to try out leadership and see how we can amplify impact. I'd love to add to this that it doesn't only have to mean taking on a formal leadership role like head, although of course that's could, may be an option for you. I think that we all play leadership roles in different ways in all our interactions, whether it's in the classroom or within our research teams or the people we supervise and interact with. So how can you define leadership for yourself that connects to your strengths? And How might you be able to amplify your impact and the impact of people around you through how you show up as a leader? You can find the summary notes, a transcript and related links for this podcast on www.changingacademiclife.com. You can also subscribe to Changing Academic Life on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify and Google Podcasts and you can follow Change ACAD Life on Twitter. And I'm really hoping that we can widen the conversation about how we can do academia differently and you can contribute to this by rating the podcast and also giving feedback and if something connected with you, please consider sharing this podcast with your colleagues together. We can make change happen.